Hello, sports fans, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And I'd like to start today's episode by thanking our newest patrons. We've had quite a few sign up since the last episode, which is very appreciated. I'd like to give a shout out to those patrons now. They are Alyssa B. Shout out Alyssa B. She is the person who actually built the Bikes for Death website, the new website that you can find online right now. So shout out to Alyssa. Appreciate you coming on and uh, becoming a patron. Jennifer A. And Michael W. Let's not forget Julian L. And Barry C. All right, everybody. That's all of our new patrons. I'd like to uh, give a sincere shout out and uh, appreciation to them because today's show is made possible by your generous donations. If you'd like to see these show continue to keep going and growing, that's the goal to keep it growing, consider signing up as a patron. That's the number one way that you can support the podcast because it's really just saying thank you and keep it up. So if you do love this kind of content, if it gets you excited to get outdoors or maybe inspired to go ride your damn bike. Maybe that is worth a dollar a month to you. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, you decide. Head over to bikesordeath.com. You can find links to all the ways that you can support the podcast, including Patreon. All right, well, that's enough of that. Why don't we get straight to today's episode? I'm really excited about this one. We're going in a complete different direction than any of my previous episodes. And a lot of that is based on your request. Over the years, one of the things that I've been asked for a lot is more information about how to bike pack, bike packing basics, essentially. So that's what I'm going to do uh, today. We're going to have our first ever bike packing basics, episode one. We used a recent trip that myself and a couple of friends, well, I should say my partner, Sarah, and my friend, Connor, and I went on. It was my birthday bash weekend, February 5th, 41 years old, still going strong. But we use this trip as kind of the backdrop to answer your questions. So prior to the trip, I reached out on social media and got lots and lots of questions. And we got many of the same questions. This episode, we're going to go through, answer all of your questions. We're going to start with the least asked for and build up to number one, the most requested thing, the most requested piece of information on how to bike pack. And that was route building. And that actually worked out perfectly because not only were we going out to Big Ben for my uh, birthday, but I like to maximize trips, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, it's kind of my personality, but um, with the limited amount of trips that we're able to go on, um, I wanted to maximize this one. And part of that was doing something that I've wanted to do for a long time, which is to establish another route that's in the Big Bend region of Texas. You've heard me talk about it a lot. I think in general, Big Bend is a fairly well-known bikepacking destination. And from what I can tell, there's an increased interest in going out there. There's two routes that are currently established, one in the state park and by Logan, Logan Watts with bikepacking.com. And uh, the other one by um, Jordan Vondi. Um, he's based out of Austin and that one's called the River Road Ramble. Um, both of those can be found on bikepacking.com and they're both really great routes. What I wanted to contribute was something that may be a little bit more relaxed 
and or something that would be a little bit more appealing to maybe beginning bikepackers or, you know, maybe going to the Big Bend region for the first time and wanting to dip your toe in and not bite off the whole 170 mile route that's available. So I'm not going to get too much into the route itself because the next episode, Connor and I are going to record an episode that's going to be kind of like a route guide. It's going to be a companion piece to the route that we're establishing and we'll be putting out soon. And we'll have a podcast to go along with it. So you can check out the maps, you'll be able to check out the pictures, and you'll be able to listen to the podcast where we kind of talk you through a lot of stuff, what to expect, what the conditions might be, what to look out for, um, how to prepare, and uh, probably some history and tidbits along the way as well. So that's next time. But today, we are going to use that trip as the backdrop to answer your questions. One of the problems with bikepacking is that there are so many different ways to do it that it's difficult to say this is the way. So we're going to answer your questions based on our experiences on this trip and how we prepare for this trip, et cetera. So I think that's it. I'm really excited about this one. I appreciate all your questions uh, to make this episode possible. I think it's been a long time coming. I really liked it. I know we don't talk about gear very much and the how-tos and ins and outs. Um, this has always been more of a story-based podcast, but uh, the more I've seen an increase um, in new bike packers and also the demand for this type of information, I'm happy to... Uh, try to put out some good information for you fine folks out there. So give me some feedback on this one. Let me know what you think. And of course, if there's ever something you want to hear about, um, you can drop me a line at bikesordeath.com. Of course, if you're a patron, you get access to my private Facebook group and a little bit more direct access to me. I'm going to be honest. If you're a patron, I answer your questions first. That's just the way it is. You pay to play, right? But I do try to answer everybody's questions, although you are important. Um, not everybody can contribute, and times are tough out there. I know how it is, but uh, I still got to pay the piper, and I still got to beg every single episode. All right, without further ado, I'd like to welcome back Miles Arbor to take it away with the Bikes or Death intro song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends, or you could be alone. Ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right. Do you know what we're doing here today, Connor? No idea. Why did you sign up to do this then? <laughs> you asked me. <laughs> you just like willy-nilly just said yes. All right. Well, actually, I don't know what we're doing today either because honestly, I've never done this before, but I'm going to try something new. I might as well explain it to you and to everybody else at the same time. Today, I'm going to, or we are going to, answer questions that I got via Instagram and Facebook in regards to the trip that you and I just got off of. And Sarah, shout out Sarah. Hey, she was there. <laughs> I think Sarah's going to chime in later. We got some questions that she's going to help answer. But um, anyway, so the idea is some bikepacking basics. What are questions that people have? And I've got all the questions here. We got like 
over 40 questions. I narrowed them down to like 18. We're going to kind of start with the easy, quick ones and then work into some of the ones like, for example, route building was the number one requested thing that people wanted to know about. That's the plan. So we're just going to go through and answer those. But before we do that, I think we should introduce you a little bit if that's okay. Yeah. Or just talk sure. a little bit because like normally in every other episode I've ever done, I'm interviewing somebody. So this is like the first time that someone's come on and we're like talking and nobody knows right. who you are. So <laughs> uh, Connor, how old are you? Where do you live and what do you do for a living? I'm 23, live here in College Station, have for most of my life, actually all my life, work at the bike shop here in town and that's how I kind of ran into Patrick. So. You got to plug the go. bike shop yeah. name. Oh, Aggieland Cycling. That's right. In College Station. So my <laughs> local bike shop, that's yeah. how I met Connor. And uh, we kind of became uh, adventure friends. <laughs> uh, we've done some bike packing and some river trips, namely. I don't think, I guess we've done some hiking now too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit. So how did you get into bike packing? Well. Or and when? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, I got into to backpacking first. Yeah. Um, you know, going out to New Mexico and doing that, and it was kind of a natural progression. You work at the bike shop, being more in the cycling world, it just kind of blended those two together. Um, you know, you still use the skills from, you know, backpacking, but you could go a little further. <laughs> and you got to ride your bike, so, you know, it worked out really nice. So when was your first bikepacking trip? I think the first, like, you know, serious one besides just, you know, riding around was um, the Katie Trail. That was like two years ago or three years ago? Three years ago, I think. Did you do the whole thing? Yeah. How Pretty was much. it? Well, we started in Sedalia and went all the way to... Yeah. Um, we There was like, you know, 30 miles we cut out just so we didn't have to go out and back on the first day, but... How many yeah. miles is the whole thing? Couldn't tell you. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> well, um, another thing that we have in common and you alluded... Well, you kind of alluded to it is with the backpacking and the hiking and stuff like that is uh, we're both Eagle Scouts and we've both led young scouts on expeditions in the backcountry. So I was wondering if you just wanted to share, you know, what kind of experiences you had, because I know you have pretty extensive experience with the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in the Scouts, I went out to Philmont, um, you know, did a 12-day trek and then went back the next summer and did a three-week trek and then ended up going out there and working for four years. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of one of those places, you know, you kind of fall in love with it. And it's one of those jobs you can't believe someone pays you to do. <laughs> um, so I worked, you know, taking um, crews out for three and a half days, kind of teaching them the ropes and then letting them go and finish the rest of their, their 12-day trek. So got a lot of good, you know, backcountry experience, you know, lots of hard skills, as well as kind of leadership, group dynamics, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, man. I mean, you yeah. like gravitate towards it pretty naturally. And I'm wondering if you like know what it is that draws you to the outdoors. Cause I mean, you're 23, like you said, yeah. you're still young, but I mean, you've <laughs> got a, a lot of experience and um, I can vouch for you. Like you go in the backcountry and you know what you're doing. You're a knowledgeable outdoorsman, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah, what what is it about it that like really draws you in? To be kind of abstract, I think it's the the honesty of it. You know, especially with backpacking. Bikepacking is a little different because you have downhills, but with backpacking, you know, you've got to take every single step. You know, you, you know, you just you gotta feed yourself each day, and you gotta find yourself to camp at night. You know, 
no one's going to do it for you, but you can do it, you know, for yourself. Get to see some amazing places. And also, you know, just time to slow down too. You know, it's hard to slow down, you know, living in a, a, a I don't want to be pedantic, but like a normal society, you know, you, <laughs> you don't have a time where you can just, you know, you can wake up with the sun and go to sleep with the sun. Um, and you just have a very set goal each day and just, you know, being alive and enjoying it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Wise words for a young man. <laughs> That's why that's why we're friends. <laughs> it's part so, of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. The other part is you know how to fix bikes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It helps. Huh? <laughs> it is helpful. I mean, we're going to be talking about, you know, people have questions and you're you're a knowledgeable guy. Uh, we both have some pretty decent uh, experience in the back country. I have little mechanical uh, experience <laughs> or inclination. Connor should also mention that you have a degree in engineering from A&M, correct? Yes. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. you have they a... They gave me a, one. Yeah. What? They gave Well, he, he probably earned it. Uh, but a good engineering mind. So I think that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, your experience because you need to have some credibility. This is your internet <laughs> resume right now right. that we're, we're yeah. creating on the fly. So... The way that I want to approach these questions is using the trip that we just got back from, damn, yesterday, right? Yeah. Today's, no, two days ago. Two days ago? It was late. Yeah, late two days. But, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So okay, it was like so yesterday. Two days ago. So yeah. we just got back from a trip to Big Bend um, National Park. And that, it was actually like, it was my birthday trip is what I want to do <laughs> for my birthday. So it was uh, Sarah and Connor and I, it was just us you know, staying COVID safe and all that stuff and just trying to keep it uh, nice and intimate. And um, yeah, it's a, you know, what I wanted for my birthday, honestly, was just to have like a nice, like relaxing time. And uh, if you invite the wrong person, man, sometimes it can get <laughs> awkward. It's a 10 hour drive out to yeah. Big Ben. Like you don't want to invite the wrong person and it ruins the whole, the whole trip. So I think we're still we're still friends. We're still yeah, here. Yeah, it works out. <laughs> it worked, went yeah. went pretty well. Uh, but for the purpose of answering all these questions, I want to use that trip as you know the backdrop. So when we're talking about you know water or you know our sleeping system or whatever it is, because I mean there's so many different scenarios out there to to be <laughs> able to talk about and answer all these questions in detail and be like, well, you could do this or this or this or this. I think focusing on on just what we did on this trip is kind of the best way to approach it. All right, are you ready to kind of get into these? Yeah, let's dive in. All right, so I think what we'll do is we'll take turns. You go first or, you know, you go once, I go once, mm -hmm. something like that. So how to make coffee while bike packing is the first one. <laughs> Connor doesn't <laughs> partake. Right, yeah. You did say that you like to... Make coffee, right? So, do you ever make it in the backcountry? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, um, I learned how to use a French press, which is really interesting because mm -hmm. you know it's just a nice little process you can follow, and it doesn't make sense while you're doing it, but you make coffee, and people enjoy coffee, so <laughs> it works out. <laughs> yeah, well, like I have almost exclusively outside of this trip that we just took, have always used the. I'm trying to remember what they are. They're the Starbucks Instant coffees i don't know exactly what they're there but they're very popular they're everywhere they're in every grocery store i've ever been in and um it's the best tasting one and so it's the easy way but 
as Connor can attest, I take as very little. Connor and I, we we pack differently. I I take the minimum stuff to maybe hopefully survive, yeah. and Connor takes all the things, including the repair manual and all the parts to fix the stoves and all that stuff. So, <laughs> this is good. We'll have a couple different yeah, yeah, for sure. perspectives. So, sleep systems necessities. Mm-hmm. What was your sleep system for this trip? Does that include tent and everything, or yeah, your whole system? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I used the same backpacking tent I've had since 2012. My first first trip I did with my dad, we bought it. Mm. It's an REI, um, just like two-man tent. It's a little big just for one person, but it's nice to have the room because I toss and turn a lot. And so you know, how I used it for Big Bend is since there's very little bugs, especially in the winter, uh, I just had the ground cloth and then the rain fly on top. So saved a little weight. And it worked out really well because we had clear nights every night. So it'll just pop the flaps open and look at the stars. And when you woke up in the middle of the night, you had something nice to look at. And that was nice. I've always been a ground sleeper. You kind of have to at Big Bend anyway. Um, since I sleep on my stomach, you know, hammocks don't work out too great. So I use a you know good inflatable pad and um, recently switched to, it's like a combination quilt, um, combination sleeping bag. A um, little more roomy, and I've got the long version, and that changed my life, having a long sleeping bag and pad. Why? So I'm a relatively long person, so it's nice and roomy. Well, do you, like, get in it? Like, can you, like, huddle up in it yeah. and get all, like, yeah, warm and, like, and curl stuff? Yeah, curl up. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's got the quilt kind of top, so I can curl up, and um, it's nice. And it's, it's, you know, plenty warm for Big Bend because, you know, desert— Pretty big temperature. Yeah, we, so, and we should say yeah. for, I guess, perspective of this conversation, you know, what the temperatures were. We got pretty lucky overall. Um, yeah. It was the desert. It was hot during the day, <laughs> <laughs> but it gets a lot hard, hotter. I think, I mean, it's probably 80s during the day. We don't really know because yeah. we didn't have access to... Uh, technology that would function um <laughs> but by my skin thermometer i think it read about 85 during the day yeah. and somewhere we know one night it froze because right. i left some water in a cup and it and it completely froze through <laughs> so we know that it, it got into freezing temps at night so did you all right is that your system yeah yeah pretty much and um you use a pillow I don't know. I use a my like puffy jacket, yeah. just ball up and throw in there. And, so, yeah. so what I like to do uh, for a pillow. Now, I did bring a pillow on this trip. I mean, they're really small, but oftentimes what I'll do is I'll just take my stuff sack. Yeah. And if I have extra whatever, I mean, even if it's trash, I don't just throw some <laughs> stuff in there, puff it up a little bit, throw yeah. some leaves in there, whatever you do, and yeah. uh, make make a pillow. So that's kind of a lightweight hack that I like to yeah, for sure. um, do oftentimes. All right. Well. For me, this originally, I, uh, one more like note, originally it was going to be a bikepacking trip. Um, Sarah, unfortunately, came down with bronchitis. <laughs> <laughs> and so it turned into, well, it was, always, it was always going to be a route exploration. I always wanted to find out if, there, if I've been looking for a route in Big Bend for a little while. And, you know, this was always going to be, be that. But we wound up having a vehicle there, too. And so I'm going to answer this question in what I would normally sleep in and what the sleep system that I brought to actually use and I would typically use at Big Bend. So I have a, what is it, an outdoor research helium bivy, which I really like. Um, Sarah just got one too. And it's interesting for all you weight weenies out there, 
I got mine like two years ago and Sarah just got one like last week for this trip and hers is 50 grams lighter and it's the same model. So, you know, if uh, now I want a new one, but yeah. anyway, it's a good, it's a good, uh, bivy. I just got a new sleeping bag for this trip cause I didn't have one for cold weather cause I don't usually go out in cold weather. <laughs> um, and I got the mountain hardware Bishop 30 degree and I got, so I'm six, one, six, two, somewhere around there. And I got the medium, which is recommended up to six feet. But I, of course, I've got to save the weight and space and everything. And, uh, but it worked fine. Uh, it was very tight, but luckily I'm not claustrophobic. So, um, if you're claustrophobic, get the right size for sure. But, um, it was fine for me. Okay. So that was my sleeping bag. My pad is the, Thermarest Neo Air Light or something. It's the lightest one they make. It's like the yellow orangish one. Um, I've had it for four years now. It looks and feels like it's gonna like evaporate into thin <laughs> air. <laughs> yeah. But it's held up over four years of, of sleeping on it. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I can recommend it. And then I did bring like a little uh, cheap Amazon blow up pillow for this one. So, does your pad do like the bag of chips crinkle? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're, <laughs> yeah. not, I was going to say a Pringles, uh, not, but like, oh, well, we have ruffles. We had ruffles. Yeah. yeah. Like being in a ruffles bag, <laughs> just turning around all yeah. night. <laughs> oh, all right. Do you have a favorite piece of gear? That's a tough one. I thought of some of the answers prior, but I didn't think of that one. I mean, other than our bikes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. I don't know that that sleeping bag I got. If you want a name drop, it's um, the Sierra Designs Backcountry Bed. And changing to that over a mummy was a pretty big change for me. You can name and, drop. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I won't edit it out or yeah. anything. No, I, I saw you did. I don't know. I guess people <laughs> take recommendations, but yeah, I like that one. The the combination of the quilt was a was a game changer. I think if you have something comfortable to go into at the end of the day, even if it's a rough day, you're going to be all right. You know, it's, it's important. Do you have a piece of gear that's more like sentimental, like mm. your stove or something, you know, uh, like your stove requires I a do whole, like the stove. Yeah, but. your your stove, <laughs> I still don't understand, <laughs> but you love it. I do, yeah. Yeah, so it's the MSR Whisper Light, but um, it's a little better for bigger groups, you know, with right. two or three people, it's kind of overkill. But, but yeah, you always take I it. I know. <laughs> well, the first time I used it, I thought it was the coolest thing because what it does is it takes the liquid fuel, runs it through a coil, and the coil heats it up and turns it into gas. Yeah. Um, so you get more, you know, more mileage out of your liquid fuel. And I thought that was the coolest thing because it's kind of like a priming procedure you do. And whenever I learned how to do it, it was you know like a week long trip. I did it every night of the week. You know, everyone was fine with me cooking because I like to use the stove in it. it <laughs> So it's, I kind of nerded out a little bit on it. And now I bring it. So, oh, yeah. that's pretty funny. Most yeah. people are like pyros and I guess they like to build the fire and you're just like, I like to yeah, use my stove. I like that too. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Fires are fun. Yeah. That's the one bummer about uh, the national park is you know, no ground fires, but mm. it really didn't detract. I mean, and really you wouldn't be able to enjoy the night sky as much if you had a fire, to, Yeah, you know, so it's, it all works out. All right. So favorite piece of gear. Oh, I didn't answer that one. <sighs> Well, obviously, it was the new um, Bikes for Death Titanium <laughs> whiskey flask that uh, this was my first time to use that on a trip. 
It worked famously. Um, the whiskey tasted amazing. I think I got drunker than I ever have. <laughs> and no hangover in the morning. And I think yeah. that's all attributed to that flask. Um, those are available now at bikesfordeath.com. Sort of, da, 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 da. Um, I, I like all my... I don't know if I have... like. I'm trying to think. I got the new sleeping bag right before this trip, and I was really excited about it. Then I'm really happy about it, I should say. I got a new headlamp, a black diamond like mm. yours, and I was mostly happy with it, but I learned that mine doesn't have the red light. Yeah. And so now I have to get another <laughs> one that's the exact same because you have basically the same thing, but it has yeah. a red light on it. So um, that was what I was like a little disappointed in. I think it's worth mentioning that if you saw my Instagram stories earlier and uh, I was like touting this micro stove that I got on Amazon, <laughs> it was like a, a GSB for $9. I tested it out at home, worked great, took it to Big Bend, and the seal completely failed, and I was getting gas all over the place. The first time you used it. The, the first, first time, night, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked fine in my house, but you took it outside. I did what I tell everyone to do. I tell everyone, test your gear before you. So I did it. I tested it. I boiled <laughs> water. I did the whole thing. Take it out there. No, no worky. So maybe test it twice. <laughs> so I'm thinking of a couple things that didn't work. I guess... My favorite piece of gear that I've been carrying lately is my camera. Can I camp that? Yeah, that yeah. I've been working yeah. on my uh, finding a way to carry a camera when you're <laughs> bouncing all around, yeah. and you know you want to be safe and like and comfortable and all that. It's been a pain in the ass. Finally, found a hip pack that works, and I'm carrying my camera gear, and I love taking pictures. And yeah. so, I, I that's been my favorite piece yeah. of gear. Yeah, and one, one other one I did think oh, about yeah. is Hit the bucket me. hat. Oh, yeah. Especially there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah. Because I started off, I got one from my great grandpa and I always used it backpacking. I lost that one. And so I've kind of moved on, but it works great. And I use it as a pot holder. Now jeans are good. They especially have there. Measuring, uh, measuring on them. And then you can also boil water, put it in there, and put it in your sleeping bag if it gets cold at night. That's a useful piece of gear. Your stove was <laughs> clutch. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Only one person wanted to know what our favorite. <laughs> Spent 15 minutes on it. But. Hey, we don't talk very much about gear on this podcast. This is the first time, so maybe we'll do it more often. All right, favorite piece of gear. All right, so bike fit tips for high mileage days. Comfort is king. I have never had a bike fit in my life. I kind of come from the school of, I mean, you just grow up and you figure it out and <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, like when you grow up riding bikes, you just kind of get a knack for that feels good, that feels yeah. right. And you learn some stuff around the way and you adjust. And um, even on trips, on on the trip that you and I just took, like I'm riding, I'm like, nope, need to make an adjustment. You know, I'm, I'm making a little fine tune because yeah. something doesn't feel right. But I've never been bike fit before. Although I do agree comfort is king, right? Like the secret to being happy and having like a successful, I mean, if we're talking about a bike trip or a bike tour, you know, bike packing, you know, not like a race, but being comfortable is like equal to like a long day in the saddle and being able to, to go yeah. and, and go and go. But you work in a bike shop. So I'm, I don't know. I know y'all don't do like a ton of fitting, I don't think, but do you have any thoughts on fitting for comfort on a long day? Yeah. For long days? Hit us. I know the, well, my first bike packing trip, I had my stem set pretty low. And I remember towards the end, I had that thing all the way up <laughs> on the steer tube as far as it would go, and I was out of spacers. Yeah. So now, you know, definitely setting up my bike, setting up other people's bikes. 
I definitely have a little bit of commitment issues on cutting the fork. So I just leave a little bit. Because you know when you get out there and that lower back's really killing you? Yeah. That, that extra spacer helps. Yeah, that's smart. Um, so leaving you some space there I think is nice. So the idea being getting a little more upright, taking weight off of what your hand, where, where are you trying to relieve pressure? Yeah, a little bit off the hands. My lower back's always been bad, so being okay. a little more upright has helped. And I know some people are more comfortable when they're slammed too. So I think just time in the saddle. And Yeah, yeah that's the, th- the biggest that, thing. That is the thing because we all have things, like you said, your lower back hurts. My hands hurt. Yeah. You know, um, my buddy Ryan, his knees hurt. Um, so... I mean, you're, you actually work in a bike shop. I mean, my thought would be you got to tinker around and don't be afraid to change things, you know, mm. go up, go down, move your fo- seat forward, move it back, tilt it up, tilt, you know, yeah. do all the things or, you know, probably just go into a bike fitter and paying some money and they'll do it yeah. all for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially if you're starting off too, like, you know, someone that's, oh yeah, a good lot, point. just, you know, you, if someone's really off, you can look at them and tell right away. That's you know, a good small point. adjustments to get yeah. them a lot closer. I kind of yeah. come in from the perspective of like, you know, like I was saying, growing up and just kind of having a pretty good idea. But yeah, if you're like getting into it, I can, I'm not a bike fitter, but man, yeah. you see some stuff on Instagram or something like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or out of Big Ben, like we right saw this weekend. Town, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, is that rideable? <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to have arthritis by the time you're 23, bud. Let me tell you. So yeah, that's a good one. One other note on bike fit. I don't have anything against it. In fact, um, I have a bike that I'm uh, that it's being built right now, and I'm going to get that one fit to me. So I'm I'm curious. Like to me, there's a question mark. Am I like is all my fiddling around being detrimental to my like? What if I went and got a bike fit? And I became faster and more comfortable. Like that easily and i've been yeah. stubborn this whole time you right. know what i'm saying so yeah. like i'm not ruling it out like it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would recommend you go and pay someone i'm just cheap and poor <laughs> exactly <laughs> same boat yeah <laughs> so yeah all right what else all right can't go without i think we did that can't go without items headlamp headlamp a paper map I'm kind of old-fashioned there but Oh, you're taking this in a different direction. Yeah. I was thinking um like your favorite piece of gear. I I like when they say can't go without, but you're think you're thinking more like what is a must have like necessity uh, item. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, uh, I mean there's all kinds. I mean there's well, let's talk about that. I mean there's repair. I think you need yeah. to have like a you know, a spare tube or two, <laughs> some slime, needle and a thread. I like zip ties. Yes, um, my life an extra quick, times, uh, yeah. an extra quick link. Uh, Learn that one the hard way. An extra quick link, multi tool, <laughs> obviously. Uh, we would have liked to have some grease on this trip. Yeah, uh, chain, chain loop. Chain Sorry, loop, chain yeah. loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot it. Should have known with how dry and dusty yeah. everything is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and that's another thing. You know, depending on where you're going, if it's going to be super wet or super dry or whatever, uh, you might need more tubes, whatnot. Yeah, I can vouch for the zip ties. That that trip we did this summer um, up to Colorado, the Vapor Trail route, the first couple of days, it just had some anything cages on a suspension fork with some plastic mounts on there. Yeah. And every, you know, every turn, it felt like we had hit it on a rock and break those off. So we stopped at this little store and asked this, this guy, and he said, he's like, do you have any zip ties? And he's like, oh, let me see. And he goes in the back and pulls out his toolbox and pulls them out. And I was like, I'll give you whatever you want for these zip ties. <laughs> He's like, no, just take them. And that pretty much saved the trip because we were able awesome. to keep everything on. Yeah. yeah. 
there's infinite, you know, salute or ways to use a, a zip tie. When I bought my bike, uh, my Chumba from Vince, he had a uh, gorilla tape wrapped around the very top. You've probably seen it because you yeah. work on my bike at the very <laughs> top. I thought that was a nice little hack, just a nice way to, or I, I didn't finish that sentence. He had it wrapped around the top of the seat tube mm. that I just smashed into a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let's no comment. <clears throat> Moving on. Any other can't go without items for me? I I don't need too many luxury items. Um, I do like to uh, have a flask of whiskey. <laughs> um, that's a kind I can't go without. I really prefer hammock. Like if I was going to say, if we were to my favorite piece of gear, actually, hammock would be up there. You know, like I, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a hammock lover. It's like being cradles and cradled to your mother's womb. <laughs> it's just like going back home. Yeah, <laughs> but some people hate it. Some people in this room, actually, I think I'm outnumbered here, so I'm not in good company, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, that's one of my favorite piece of gear. And um, anytime I can, I will always choose hammock over ground sleeping. But like you said, where we went in Big Bend, not only is it unlikely, but it is against the rules to hammock camp there because trees are so few and far between and they don't need the strain of your freaking hammock on them they got a hard enough life yeah <laughs> cool let's do our thoughts on e-bikes this should be fun um <laughs> i don't know whose turn it is to go first you do we talked about this a little bit on the trip actually yeah i'll let you because you have that your little okay i'll do it yeah, yeah uh okay here's my thought on e-bikes um i think that they have a place I think that it's cool um, that Rue used it recently. Do you know who Rue is? Uh, Rue is Lael's girlfriend, and she's oh, a yeah, yeah. Uh, she's a photographer and videographer and stuff. And so, on these projects that she's working on with Lael, she'll ride an e-bike, and she's able to like get ahead and like get the shot, and oh, you know, yeah. like, and so she's still riding, she's still doing the thing, but she's also carrying camera gear and having to work, so it it facilitates. That I think that's kind of cool. For me, my progression in life, <laughs> I've always thought of it like this: I'm gonna ride my bike until I need a little help. Hopefully, it's much later, like in the 80s or something, <laughs> maybe 70s. We'll see. And then I'm, and then I'll get an e-bike. And then after an e-bike, when I'm like 90 or 100, then I'm gonna get a dual sport. Uh, motorcycle. So um, I, I don't have a problem with e-bikes. I mean, I don't want them to become the prevailing mode of, uh, you know, transportation, I think, in, in, in cycling. And actually, let's ask you, I mean, you sell bikes. Um, what is the demand for e-bikes like and what percentage of your sales? I mean, anecdotally, do you think that? Yeah, it's kind of different where we're at in College Station. Most of the e-bikes we see are commuter e-bikes. Right. Um, and well, so, sure. I, I'm talking about those yeah. two. I mean, just kind of yeah. like what is the growing demand and popularity? Because like it starts there and how much are we going to see it trickle into other right. stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's definitely grown more than it has, but I haven't really seen it explode. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, That's what yeah. I feel like too. Like it's out there. There's some people that want it, but most cyclists, we want to ride our bike, you right. know? Right. It's a pretty big price barrier too, which okay. I think gets most people. How how much yeah. actually? I've never looked at buying one. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, it depends where you're getting it from. If you're looking for like one of the bigger bike brands, you know, you're probably around the two 
thousand range and up. And I mean, if if you're looking for something to do long trips on, you know, that's cutting out of the rest of the components. You know, if you have a budget for a bike, you're shuttling some money to the motor on it. So, you know, you're going to get a little lower quality bike overall. So, what, so what are your thoughts on them? They have a place. Absolutely. I don't know. Old they're, they're, people, people with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. You know? or, I mean, yeah. Or, I mean, any, people just want to go further, you know, and, further? you know, don't have the time to train, oh, you know. Dads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cass Gilbert's a great example. You know, he has his extra cycle, I think, with yeah. his, his son. And uh, I, as a father, I'm totally into that. You know, yeah. if I can, I don't have one, but I mean, the thought of like, a big surly dummy with a motor, a little <laughs> yeah. zoom zoom on it, and take Sloan and Lyle out in the backcountry. Yeah, that, that's a, that's yeah. a great application for something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No. No e bike hate in here. <laughs> um, there's a time and a place, so be smart about it. Yeah. E bike responsibly. <laughs> Bags and setups for small bikes. Uh, so we have a small karate monkey. Yeah. Now. That's a tough one. And I've talked about, I wish I knew like all the podcast numbers, but I've talked about, actually, I do remember one. I talked to Greg Hardy, um, one of the rock guys, the second Greg Hardy interview I did at the Bikepacking Summit. I know that, I believe we addressed that in that episode. So that one might be worth listening to. Um, we might have addressed it in the episode one um, <laughs> of the podcast. I don't remember, but I don't think so. But, Small people, height challenged, fork mounts, right? Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, depending on the bike and the way it's set up, um, if you have enough clearance between your down tube and your um, front tire, you can carry a decent amount of stuff down there. The best saddlebag that I've found for low clearance between the rear tire and the saddle is the Porcelain Rocket Mr. Fusion Mini. Now... <laughs> Porcelain Rocket, as we both know, just yeah. sold to Rockgeist. So I don't know if Rockgeist is going to continue that product or not. But um, if anybody wants to know, I would shoot Greg an email. You can find him um, either at Rockgeist on uh, Instagram or uh, rockgeist.com. But yeah, so th those are some of my tips. Oh, and then the other one is just carrying weight on the back, obviously. Um, is, is just kind of like the bummer the last it, resort, it, the last resort. Yeah. nobody wants to do it, but I mean, you know, I've seen, I've carried weight on my back plenty of times. It's not the end of the world. Mm. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you got, Connor? Yeah, no, I think there's some good recommendations for sure. Depending on where you're riding, you can look, yeah, I guess heel clearance can be an issue, but you look at rear rack going retro, you know, Ooh. 10 years. Um, there's also Aero. It's like A-E-R-O-E. They yes. make some like clamp-on racks too that have dry bags that are a little more bikepacking friendly than the you know, traditional rack and panniers, but be an option too. Yeah, those are good options. And I forgot to mention front roll. If you can, a flat bar is better because you can get a longer and a bigger front roll yeah. in there. Or there's gravel bars or you know drop bars that are a lot wider now that it can accommodate more. But then if you're short, the wider bars probably aren't as good for you, right? Mm. That would be the thought there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to take a little tinkering. Um, but there's options. I think there's yeah. a few good options. Um, choosing bags and gear distribution on your bike. Whew. <laughs> that's a hard one 
That's like a whole podcast in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it probably could be. I think I think I'm gonna because what I want to do, I'm gonna do one on um, packing. You know, like what goes where and that kind of stuff. I'm gonna table that one because that's like a whole thing for bike packing, clip-ins or flats <laughs> and why. Uh, all right, your turn. Go. <laughs> uh, I've always ridden clipless. Just because that's what I'm comfortable with. It's nice knowing your feet are attached to the bike and they're not going to come off. So that's always what I've done. Um, I definitely see the side of flats, though. You know, you can bring one pair of shoes. Yep. You know, more security. You know, if you need to hike a bike, it's a lot easier. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm stuck in the clipless camp. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. I'm 100% clipless. I've tried uh, flats a couple times, but honestly, the uh, security of being clipped in and like, I want to be like locked into the bike. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's a better, it's a better feeling for me when I ride. But there's oftentimes in this trip we went on to Big Ben was one of them where we had some hikes planned mm. and so we you and i both had to bring extra shoes right. sarah rides flats she loves flats and she only brought one pair of shoes she brought the wrong one <laughs> pair of shoes but <laughs> normally it's it works and it's a great uh great way to do it it just didn't work for her this time yeah it's definitely a comfort thing too i wouldn't recommend it on your first trip you know get some what do you miles mean? On it. As far as getting clipped out and stuff in time, you know? It oh, takes some time yeah. to get, get that muscle memory down and everything. Sorry, I thought you were talking so. about flats. Oh, no, no, no. Clippers, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely on a loaded, and on a loaded bike, loaded, too. Yeah. yeah, on a loaded <laughs> bike, you want to unclip a little sooner. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I've had some awkward moments where I'm <laughs> super tired and there's all this weight and I kind of like lean wrong and I'm like, I got the wrong foot unclipped. And I don't know. Yeah. Once that heavy bike starts going, mm -hmm. it's hard to get it back up. You know? Yeah. So unclip a little early. Get ready. All right. Do people usually secure their bikes for overnighters so they don't get stolen? Mm. I never have. I'll tell you what, the only thing that I've ever, I've never done this, but what I've thought that I would do if I ever needed to is I would just like tie my bike to me, you know, in some way, like I tie it to the tent, I'd sleep on it. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I would be attached to it in some way. So nobody's just going to like run off with my bike in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. but I've never like really slept in a place where I felt like anyone was going to do that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Like on big bend, you know, we were a couple miles from the nearest person and yeah. A couple, at maybe. least, yeah. yeah. We have no so, idea. I mean, they could have yeah. been a hundred miles away. We wouldn't have known. Yeah. So, if you're you've never locked up your bike either, no, I never have. I've um, I have put it under like a little like dining fly, I guess, like a little like rain tarp. Mm -hmm. I've I used on you know places where it's rainy, like in the mountains and stuff. Where, you know, and when you get into rainy season, you know, it's going to rain every afternoon. It's nice to have that, and so you can throw your bike under there at night, but. That's just to keep it dry. No, no security really there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it depends on where you go. I mean, I have had a bike stolen. It's not fun. Um, so I am pretty protective of my bikes. Um, but in those environments where I go, it's never been an issue for me. So, all right. Man, we're making pretty good progress here. Tips on solo trips. Can't find anyone to go. So I'm planning some solo trip stuff for my first trip. All right, so first of all, I didn't write down who all ask all these questions, but if you're the person that um, is looking for someone to go on a ride with, 
Um, if you want to shoot me a message on Instagram or email me at bikes at bikesfordeath.com, um, I'll put a word out through my channels and I'll see that if we can get you a riding partner. But I just wanted to say, like, for me, yeah, there's a lot of like good or appealing aspects of riding solo. All right. So I actually, uh, Thought this was a kind of interesting question. I like solo bike packing, um, and I don't want to send somebody out there on their first solo trip with bad advice. So we only had one person ask us this question, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who maybe with COVID or whatever are probably in a similar situation. So I'm going to go through, I wrote down some some thoughts on solo bike packing. So I'm going to go through those. And uh, Connor, if you want to fill in any gaps or if you have any thoughts, then uh, we'll We'll make that happen. All right. So, I mean, my first thought is like solo bikepacking is to me enjoyable. I like all kinds of bikepacking. It's sometimes fun to go with a group or just a friend or a partner. And sometimes it's fun to just go by yourself. I know you actually go on quite a few solo trips too. So that'll be fun to hear about. Some of the things that I like about solo bikepacking is that you can go at your own pace. You know, you don't have to make an excuse if you're the slow <laughs> one or you don't have to be the fast one and waiting for everybody else to, you know what I'm saying? So right, you just yeah. go at your own pace. You know, if you see something cool, you can stop and explore it. You see a mile, a historical marker, you could Google it if you want to. You don't have to worry about, you know, other people and, and if they're ready to go or whatever. You can also talk to the animals and you sing to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depends how long you're out there for, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm singing to them on just a short ride. <laughs> they're, they're, they're good. They need a little, you know, interaction. Take as many pictures as you want. Want is one of my favorite. I love to stop and take pictures. Read a book at camp in the hammock. I thought that was a good one. You know, you just get to camp. It's quiet. It's beautiful. You're tired, and you just read a book in your hammock. Maybe you wake up the next morning, you read a book, have a little coffee. You know, just nice and peaceful, right? For sure. Maybe halfway you get tired and you want to set up your hammock on the side of the road and just take a nap. You can do that too. So I think there's a lot of uh, positive things. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of times people want to go in groups, but, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits to going solo. So I wanted to throw that out there. But I also wanted to say that there's certainly some precautions that you want to take if you're going solo, right? You're the only one there. There's no one to make sure you're, you know, go get help and whatnot. So let's talk about, you know, some steps. First, prepare. Be prepared, you know, like make a plan for everything that, everything. Like you need a route, you need to have the gear, you need to make sure the gear works, like test it out at your house, all this stuff. Like, you know, like you really need to prepare. And I think you're, level of preparation is going to depend on your experience level, right? Like some people are really good cyclists. Some people have a lot of uh, backpacking experience that they can dovetail nicely into it. So you really have to like take an honest inventory of who you are, what your skill sets are, and don't plan a trip like over your head. Like you're going out there the goal should be fun, success, you know, just like let's have a good fun trip and not have anything go wrong, right? Right. So I would say like stay close and go somewhere familiar, you know, like um, if you're like new to solo bikepacking and solo adventuring, like don't go crazy. Do something, <laughs> you know, where you know where you are and, you know, you're not going to get lost or anything. What else? Oh, and lastly, have an exit strategy. 
Uh, I think that's one of the most important things. My ultimate exit strategy is I have a spot uh, tracker that you can, it has a few different functions on it for anyone who doesn't know, but it's a spot tracker. It's pretty, pretty common. It has three options in there. You can pre-program it. Well, there's several different ones. The one I have, you can pre-program it to like send a message to somebody that says, hey, I'm just stopping. Don't worry about me. Just taking a break. You can send another one that says, hey, I'm uh, stuck. My bike is broken, whatever. I'm not injured, but I need someone to come pick me up. Um, and you have these people like already on standby and you know that they're available and all that kind of stuff. And then the the last one is an SOS button and that's just the cavalry, <laughs> man. There doesn't matter where you are, if they got to come by air, water, you know, land, whatever it is, they're coming for you. And uh, I have it on good authority. I've, I haven't done it personally, but I know people who have pushed that button and they're coming. Everybody's coming. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's like the ultimate extra exit strategy. Um, I think the easiest one is just if you have a friend in town that you can be like, hey, if you know my bike breaks something, like, could you come pick me up? And that, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on solo bikepacking. Just a few quick thoughts. What do you think? No, I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, one thing to mention, too, is, you know, it's, it's pretty basic, but it's worth mentioning. Just let someone know when you're going to be back. You mm. know, so, you know, that friend in town. Where you're should, going. Yeah. yeah. With Strava, with Garmin, maybe ride with GPS, you can uh, share your location. Uh, I mean, even with an iPhone, you can share your location. <laughs> so if you're somewhere with service, you know, share with a friend and that way someone knows where you are. I think that's a good one. Thank you, Connor. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we have another one. Oh, I forgot we had two on this. Safety for sure. I've been wanting to go on a trip but it will likely be solo. So again, I'm not sure who wrote that. If you want a writing partner, you can reach out to me and I'll see if I can make a connection for you. I did have a safety tip that I wanted to add. And I don't know if you have any other safety tips. Um, Hal Russell shared this with me. And one thing he does, he's he's a little bit older. He's in his 70s. He's a, he's a legend. He's done Tour Divide. Do you know him? You told me about him. Six times. I love, I love some Hal Russell. If you don't know how, he's got a beautiful smile, beautiful demeanor, and he's a beautiful man. And uh, he goes and does crazy things in crazy places all by himself all over the world. And he just has one of those personalities where if someone is kind of sketchy with him or whatever, if he feels weird, he'll ask him if he can take a picture of him because he's looking for like, he likes to catalog and all the all the fun and cool people he meets along the way or something like that. Another thing, which is a really disarming thing to do, but another way that it serves him is all of his pictures are uploaded to a cloud that somebody knows about. So he's been in situations before where he um, someone was trying to rob him and he took a picture of him. And he said, that picture was just uploaded to a cloud. If anything happens to me, they're going to know exactly who the person was that did it, you know? And that's, that's what he said to him, you know, I've had a similar, like actually with my spot, you know, the same thing. It's like, you know, if you have that, your finger on that SOS button and say, listen, I pay a lot of money <laughs> for this little device right here. I do crazy things in crazy places and I pay a lot of money. So that if I push this, everyone's coming. I don't know what you're thinking about doing right now. I don't, you know, I don't want any trouble or whatever. So like, just go on your, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe a little bit of reasoning like that is, is a good, yeah. good safety tip. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm taking pictures of people. I like the picture one. Yeah. 
Yeah, the pitcher one's good. I mean, you can't control what everybody does. I mean, it's a, being prepared and um, being honest with yourself about who you are and what your capabilities are. Because if you get out there, there's no one else. You're solo. You know, you gotta you gotta really know what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah. So, right? Yeah, I think that preparedness too is important. Like environmentally, food and, and water and stuff. Knowing what yeah. you're getting into. Well, actually, that's, probably cover that more in gear. But that yeah, I mean, your segue is so good. We are actually so close to that because we're going to be getting into more food, gear, water, and all that, and the actual like preparedness of it. Common problems. This is interesting. My thought was if you prepare, like I don't have common problems. I've never had a common, like if I have a common problem, it means that there's a problem and I didn't solve it the first three times, you know, and that's just not in my nature. Like, I don't know. Is that I'm kind yeah. of an it's kind of an asshole answer. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it helps when you have some experience over time. You know, you kind of figure that stuff out. But yeah, I know starting off. Yeah, if you're starting off, a common problem. I mean, you have the basic bike problems. You know, you got the flats, flat tires. But even then, if you have a good setup, I mean, we were talking about this on the trip, man. Like, if you maintain your bike well or take it to your local bike shop and they do, which I do, Connor takes very good care. I told Connor before this trip, (laughs) he's the mechanic on the trip. So I told him, I said, listen, I'm bringing you my bike and Sarah's bike before the trip. So you can either fix them now or fix them on the trip. It's up to you. (laughs) I think that's what this whole episode is about is like, we're kind of like addressing people's questions and the problems maybe they're facing. So actually maybe this whole kind of episode is maybe addressing that question. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I feel like actually (laughs) number, hold on. What number are you? Number 13 common problems. I apologize. This whole podcast, this episode is dedicated just to your question. (laughs) Oh, Okay, this one says, I always love to hear people's choice of clothing. Actually, three people wanted to hear about clothing. So, all right, you go first. What'd you wear on this trip? What'd you bring? What'd you need? What'd you not need? Did everything yeah, work yeah. good? That whole, the whole thing. Yeah, well, I guess we can start, start at the bottom. Socks. I, I never really use bike socks. I used just like some hiking socks. I'm a little more comfortable in them, but um, Me having too. some good socks you like and then having a spare set or two if you get wet you know we, you know this didn't happen at big bend because there's not much rain out there but having that that spare set of socks you can come home to is pretty pretty comforting what about um, wool man yeah you don't need a spare i know you'll be all right but it's just a, it's kind of maybe a, like a luxury item you know it's nice to be able to yeah. change into those dry socks at the end of the day definitely not for me no. I, i'm going to disagree with connor all here right, on this one fine. yeah <laughs> i mean here yeah. at the end of the day this is the way i look at it if you want it great you're the one who has to carry it so i don't give a shit what (laughs) anyone brings or whatever what you want to take if you want to carry it and deal with it all that then that's great but for Mm me one pair of wool socks one pair of wool underwear you know like i don't it wool for me is the ultimate you know like yeah yeah it doesn't stink it dries it'll keep you warm when it's wet i love me some wool average sponsor me wool (laughs) <laughs> all right sorry to interrupt you no, keep going no, you're fine yeah um what else yeah oh, so extra socks starting yeah. at the bottom yeah, sorry yeah you can do that but we we kind of had we were in two different camps here on the chamois question yep and patrick can probably you know answer more to his side but i am a chamois guy you know it does mean that 
you know, you might have to take an extra pair of shorts to wear around camp. So you don't, you know, you're not wearing your diaper walking <laughs> around, but I've never found, I haven't been riding that long, but you know, and, and a, you know, riding a good deal of miles, I've never found a saddle that fits me perfectly after trying, you know, tons of different styles. So having that chamois really helps, especially on a longer day. In the last seven years, though, you've probably ridden a lot. I mean, yeah, fair bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you pretty like anyway. So, so for you, I mean, and that's a dude. Everybody's body's different, and yeah. so no one right way to follow up on that. Like, yeah, I tried um, for the first time ever going on a bike packing trip with no chamois. And only uh, this these new wool underwear that I got. I don't remember the brand, but I'm not sponsored by them anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, I actually thought they were great. Honestly, it was it was really nice to not have to like at the end of the day, you know, change, uh, hang them up, let them dry, and and all that. I felt no discomfort whatever in terms of you know it, it got very hot very sweaty mm -hmm. but it also dried out very quickly i didn't feel gross at all so yeah. that worked for me but also we you and i both use the exact same saddle <laughs> um but we don't have the exact same sit bones right um so for me it works amazing i love that saddle and uh which i guess we should just say is the brooks cambion with mm. the uh the carved yeah 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 okay more clothes what else we got chamois uh what else like base like so the temperatures were let's say 85 during the day and an average of 40 at night yeah, but it fair. got a little bit warm colder yeah so what were you what was the full line of what you brought to wear for that scenario layering is key in most yeah. outdoor situations it really is especially sure. on a bike when you're doing something you know aerobic and you're gonna be you know sweating once you get on the bike and you be able to take stuff off and you're starting from cold um, but I just do like a, like a, it was like a synthetic, you know, dry fit style top. And then like a form fitting one. No, no, just like a loose one, but like that same material, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I did have a long sleeve one as well on this trip, which was nice to get some sun protection. You know, I also had a flannel as well, sun protection and warmth there. And then, you know, in the evenings I had a down jacket. So keep everything warm. I'm the same kind of warmth. Do you wear any leggings? Yeah. I had some, yeah. There were some Patagonia leggings I uh, found on the side of the trail. I washed them since then. <laughs> but yeah, I just used those. And they're nice. You know, they don't take up as much room as pants, but they give you another bottom layer you can add on. So. Let's see, what else? You didn't, like, I know you brought gloves. Gloves. And what about uh, any, any like, warmth for your head when you're sleeping or when you're riding? Do you like anything on your head? Yeah, I do. I mean, I normally wear a helmet when I'm riding, but... Um, like, you know, just around the evening, I just have like a wool cap, stocking cap, beanie yeah. thing. So. And you also, you brought your uh, bucket hat. I did, yeah. So you had your bucket hat. Yeah. He had it uh, fashioned to the top tube. Yeah. Uh, which, I, man, it was hot out there. Lot, that sun yeah. hits you hard. So, <laughs> it doesn't quit. <laughs> no, it doesn't quit. And you were warm. You yeah. felt like you were pretty good with your setup? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, our weather was pretty good for this trip. It was like, I had... Um, what I did is, well, we should say that one thing about the national park is these backcountry spots that we're going to, you can't reserve. The ones that we wanted to go to, you can't reserve. So luckily we got the sites we wanted and there was like nobody there. So it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't an issue at all. But I didn't know exactly 
what the route we were going to do was and we didn't know um, exactly what the weather was going to be. And so I, I packed like a, a variety of things and I was like, I'm going to pack it the night before or the, yeah. the morning of or whatnot. Um, and I brought way more stuff than, <laughs> than what, like in terms of I brought to pack way more than I actually wound up packing because the weather turned out to be like really nice. Um, didn't really, it, it didn't get anywhere near cold enough for me to bring like all this stuff. So, um, to echo what you said, layering, 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 um, if it's going to be really cold, I have my main like cold weather gear is from a company called first light. They make really high end Merino wool, wool and it's this stuff everybody sees me wearing with the camo pattern on it. It's from my hunting days, like a long time ago but i've had it's really expensive and i've had it forever and it works like super well so you know i have everything from a thin merino wool base layer to a thicker one um then from there i would go to a on my top obviously a uh, a windbreaker oh sorry if it's even cold enough i'd put an arm warmer on over that then a windbreaker and then i'd put my puffy on top of that and then you always got to have some kind of thing on your head and face so i like to have you know be able to cover up everything but for okay so i mean i i you can go pretty extreme with the layering you know like you can and and that's what you got to do and then you got to have a place to pack on your bike and all this for this trip it was pretty easy i took one merino wool top um, I took my puffy from Black Diamond. On the base layer, I took one uh, merino wool leggings. I wore my just regular shorts that I wear on a daily basis and my uh, merino wool underwear for socks. I agree, I like hiking wool hiking socks. Um, just nothing too thick, nothing too thin. You find what you like and um, those work really well for me. Um, unlike you, like I said, I, I mean, I think one, you know, for me works fine. Uh, maybe you, your feet sweat a lot. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't need too much. Uh, the only thing I couldn't find my gloves. Um, yeah, yeah. I was looking for, um, <laughs> I ordered some shower pass. I really, they came in the day after that we took off. Um, so I'm looking at, looking forward to trying those out, but I was wearing like one glove of one kind and one of another, but uh, it didn't turn out to matter too much. Yeah. I think my sock thing comes from like years of hiking in the rainy season of the Rockies. Your uh, feet are going to get soaked, you know, in the afternoon, no matter what, once you get into July and August, so kind of one of those carryovers. So a lot of people, like I mentioned, this was my birthday, 41, if anybody wants to know, 41 years old, young. What's my favorite cake? And uh, <laughs> oh man, I didn't know people asked that. Could've, I could have made it. I know, man. <laughs> this is this was a total botch on my part, like a thousand percent. Because several people ask, you know, what my favorite cake was, and also how do you make it when you're camping. So here's the thing: Connor actually is a really nice guy and a good friend, and he offered. He was like, "Hey, this has nothing to do with your birthday, but uh, what kind of cake do you like?" <laughs> and uh, unfortunately for him, like I don't have a sweet tooth. I have other vices, let's say, but uh, sweet tooth really isn't one of them. <laughs> so like I don't even know what kind of sweets I like. And so we had this awkward conversation where I never really answered it. Yeah. <laughs> But you you did look up how to make cake in the backcountry, right? Yeah. 
So why don't you tell, I don't know, I, I'm not a big sweets person. We didn't eat cake. Um, I drank my bourbon and we looked at the stars and <laughs> we had a wonderful night, but uh, no no cake. So, but yeah, how, how do you make it though? So I did some experimenting at, at home before. You even experimented? Yeah. Oh my gosh, now I feel <laughs> even worse. No, no, it's fine. So my first thought was to use, since you can't have a fire that kind of takes out a lot of options on using coals and stuff. So my first thought was to use a stove on really low heat underneath a pot and to heat up rocks in the same stove and put them on top to kind of make a Dutch oven effect. It didn't work too well. I used a lot of fuel. Um, so my next thing I tried was a, it's called wet baking. Where you Wait, pause. Are you getting these ideas from the internet or are you just coming up with these on your own? Wet baking was from the internet. Okay. Yeah. The first one you tried was your own? Yes. Yeah, the rocks. I, you know, I've been, You're just I've curious. I've Dutch oven baked, so I was yeah. like, ah, maybe it would work. And okay. It, yeah. And then the wet Okay, baking, so you tried yeah. it on your own. You're like, all right, internet, what do you got? Yeah. And so I, I found it was a, a Knowles article on wet baking. Um, and basically, you it's kind of like a double boiler, but you boil a pot of water, and then you get another pot and put whatever you're baking inside that. Um, and close it up, and it kind of steams and circulates heat. Um, the issue with that is it doesn't get crispy. It, like, stays doughy. Okay. I don't really like that. So another one, I kind of combined the two methods. It's like wet baking, but you don't use water. You put a little piece of foil underneath your inner pot, and that keeps it off the bottom. You don't have direct heat, but you have enough circulation in there to bake. Did you invent that one? I'm trying to think. It sounds like a, a modification. yeah. It sounds like we need to do a video. Yeah, that would probably explain it a lot. Well, it's kind of hard to explain, but that'd be we fun. Put something together. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that I, one works. I actually got the. I need to tweak the recipe. It didn't taste yeah. great, but it was just to prove that you could bake something with the camp stove. So yeah, yeah. I wish I wasn't such a prude. Like not a prude. <laughs> I wish I wasn't so lame. Yeah, and uh, actually like cake. And yeah, yeah. Would have had an opportunity to watch this. I feel so bad, like you. Made the whole process. Very yeah, nice, though. I just want to see if I could do it. And yeah. I ended up having to carry less stuff, so yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't hurt your feelings yeah. too bad. Yeah, all right. The cake, the cake. Now what? Food. You know, obviously food is a big a big one. Food, yeah. water, air. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what did you eat and how much did you eat kind of deal? We had pretty different philosophies oh. there. Actually, this is where Sarah's gonna gonna hop in here in a second. Do you want to start with what you did? Yeah. Because um, I was Sarah and I we did our thing, and then uh, Connor Connor was solo self supported, so he was doing his own thing. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my my style kind of comes from getting tired of eating dehydrated food. So I I kind of try and stick with more you know normal foods that I'm a little more used to. So like you bring stuff like salami, you can do like hard cheeses and stuff, and that'll keep. Um, tortillas are a game changer. You know, for lunches and stuff, it's it's carbs, but it, you know it fills you up. And then you know, for dinner, you can put them down in your in your bowl, and you know, put whatever you're, you're eating in there, and you can eat it out of the tortilla, and then you can eat you know the last bit rolled up, and you don't have to clean your bowl. 
It's so a pretty good little trick. Let's describe yeah. this a little better, just <laughs> since we're on a podcast. Yeah. So what he does is he has his bowl and then he puts down a tortilla in the bowl and then he puts all of his stuff on top of the tortilla in the bowl and he eats out of it normal, like with a spoon. And then instead of licking the bowl, he just takes that tortilla, rolls it up and <laughs> eats it like a genius. <laughs> Yeah. It's great. Connor's got tricks and tips, man. I'm telling you, we might have to have him back on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, just like, I don't know, I think one night... Yeah, I you ate like, pretty basic food. I mean, pretty... Like uh crashed mac and cheese, like summer sausage and jalapenos. Yeah. I tried pickled okra. I like it at home, but when it gets hot, it's not as great. That was a was kind of experiment there. Do you do anything else kind of interesting with your food? I feel like you did. Do you bring any spices or anything oh, kind yeah, of? some Slap Your Mama. Slap Your Mama, yeah. yeah. Sarah's a big fan of that. Yeah, Sarah, we, we all yeah. cook with Slap Your Mama around <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. That Maybe that should be the name of our friendship group. Slap Your Mama. Yo mama. <laughs> um, all right, Sarah, get over here. All right, so we have a friend. Well, I should say Sarah's uh, friend, good friend, uh, co-worker, him and his husband have a, what is it, a freeze-drying machine? Uh, a freeze-dryer. I don't know. But it, it's, like a, it's like a complicated piece of equipment because I had this idea whenever I met Sarah and I started to really learn about food and nutrition and, you know, actually putting good stuff into your body and like your body responding well to it. And then like it works better and stuff, you know, like I've started to like learn about this kind of stuff. And so I, I mean, how great would it be if we had like bike packing food that was lightweight? All you had to do is add water to it when you got to camp and it had all the nutrients in it and all this stuff. Right. So Sarah, welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. Hello. Just for context, like you have a very strict diet on a, on a daily basis for because you found like that's what works best for your body through a lot of trial and error. And we probably can save like all the details for another podcast maybe. But you, you've taught me a lot about the like value of of good quality food. Like you've spent a lot of time like looking into it and stuff like that. And whenever you and I got into bikepacking, started looking at the meal options available um, from <clears throat> Mountain House and <clears throat> other ones that I don't even know the names of. Um, and you're like, these aren't, they don't have like, well, you say, well, like, well, I, don't, I don't know all the technicalities. So what, what was missing and what did you see could be improved on? I just didn't feel like they were super friendly for people that do have any kind of like dietary restrictions. You know, it's a lot of, you know, like wheat and oats and things like that. And so, you know, yeah, they're high in carbs, but not in really very nutritious if you kind of look at it, you know, yeah. a dietary standpoint, you know, you're going on a long ride and you're exercising and you're, you know, burning a lot of calories, like you need a lot better, you know, nutrients other than wheat and oats and things like that. Sodium, you know, it's not really good. So the two processes of food is freeze dried and do you remember the other one? What do you mean? Dehydrated. Oh, dehydrated yeah. Yeah. So the, the, so what's the difference there? Yeah. Um, from, I don't know, like super technical standpoint, but from what it's I okay. read, no one here is an expert. Yeah, um, Nobody here is an expert. Yeah. When you, they, <laughs> you know, they freeze dry it, you know, it keeps all its nutrients. Um, so whenever you're rehydrating it, you know, you're getting, everything, you know, from it, you know, it's, it's as if like it was just 
freshly made yeah. um, versus dehydration, you know, you do lose a lot of the nutrients in the food. And so, you know, like I said, if you're doing a lot of exercise or anything like that, you need all the nutrients you can get. So, you know, obviously freeze dried is not the easiest way of doing things or the most affordable. So that's why a lot of people use dehydrated food. But I tried the dehydrated food and <laughs> it was inedible. The ants wouldn't even eat it. So uh, <laughs> I do not, I did not want to do that again. <laughs> Once and done. Yeah, it's um, pretty gross. Well, let's talk a little bit too about like the inflammatory reasons too. Because I think it's interesting, like Sarah eats um, an inflammatory diet, an anti, <laughs> oh my God, Sarah eats an <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, I guess now I'm like wondering what it's called. Anti-inflammatory yeah, anti inflammatory diet. diet. Yeah. I know what it was called. She's like, inflame my shit. I'm taking some of that. Like take some eat. bread. Take yeah. some enchiladas. Inflame it, baby. Give me the dairy. Yeah, I want the sugar. <laughs> no, but for for her dietary and health reasons, she's an anti-inflammatory <laughs> diet. And um, one thing that I thought was, she has this theory that, well, it's not a theory, uh, that inflammation causes pain. That is part <laughs> isn't a theory, but because you're a new cyclist, right? Yeah. And like, you just did like a 69 mile ride to my house and you're like, Oh, I'm not tired. I'm not in pain, blah, blah, blah. And we're trying to figure out like why you don't hurt like a normal person why you're not in pain and experiencing discomfort like normal people do when they ride 70 miles, you know, and you had the theory that maybe it's that you eat a pretty clean anti-inflammatory diet. And so your idea was to like, can we incorporate this clean, nutrient-rich food into something that we can take in the backcountry? Right. And this, yeah. this trip was like our first chance to try it. Like we've had this idea, we've talked about it in theory. This was our first chance to try it. So what did you cook for us? Well, I, um, did it like a stew. Um, my potatoes actually are against the anti-inflammatory diet, but I break that rule cause it doesn't bother me and they're delicious. Which go, which goes back to knowing your own body, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, you know, just like anything you have to kind of try certain foods and see how you respond, you know, the kind of cut everything and then slowly introduce things back. So you can kind of figure out like what, you know, is fine or not, not okay. Um, but yeah, so I did a stew just with uh, some steak and potatoes and I wanted to do some broccoli with a little chicken broth, you know, something that was kind of hearty since I knew that we would be riding like long distance. And surprisingly, it was kind of weird looking at it freeze dried, but <laughs> It actually worked out really well. I did do eggs because um, I love eggs. And uh, yeah, so I did eggs and bacon with a little bit of beans. The eggs weren't, weren't a, they were not a hit. They took a really long time to rehydrate. So we kept eating them kind of like not crunchy, but chewy. It was not the best. Okay. Well, we're still learning. And we yeah. did, we did like this, we knew we were going to learn as we went. The first day we didn't let the eggs uh, soak enough or probably get hot enough. Yeah. And they weren't great. The second time we figured out, okay, give them a good 10 minutes soak, extra water in there. Let's really rehydrate these puppies. And then <laughs> what you want to do is wrap it up in a tortilla. Yeah, you need to hide it in the tortilla for you it to be good. You got to hide it in yeah. the tortilla. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not good by itself. It's yeah. torture. But it, okay, it was like it was actually pretty cool. Like the stew that she made was 
really good. Tell them how the process works because I, I unfortunately I couldn't be there, um, but it's her friends that have this machine. So like, take us through the process of how it works. Like I said, I don't know like super technical the process, but from what I can remember, um, you cook it like you normally would. You know, um, they have like these little trays. There's four trays in the machine, um, so you like cook it like you need, season it, you know, if it, if you make it too bland, it's going to be super, super bland, you know, still when, once it's freeze dried. So you want to, you know, make sure you have like good seasonings and all those things. Slap your mama for sure. (laughs) Uh, Don't slap your mom, the seasoning. Um, (laughs) But uh, with that being said, yeah, it goes into I guess not everybody (laughs) listening is from Texas, so they might not get that reference. Slap or yeah. Yeah. The seasoning. Slap your mama is a seasoning Yeah. Slapping moms is not acceptable anywhere. not okay anywhere. No. We all love our moms it's very not much. not bike packing approved or life approved. But, um, <laughs> or bikes are death approved. Yes. <laughs> we love our moms here. Um, but with that being said, yeah, you put it into this little chamber. It, um, I think it pressurizes the chamber, like takes all the air out. I'm not 100% sure on that. I need my friend here to That's okay. Really I mean, you put it, it into a fancy, expensive yes, machine. Yes, fancy machine. And in 48 hours later, yes. your food that went in fresh, full of nutrients, mm-hmm turns into what it's like a little it looks like space food because it it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it does it's literally taking like all the moisture so it freezes it and then um, it actually ends up reheating it and turns all of that like cold like or the water into a gas and so um, it holds it in that chamber and drains out of the machine essentially and so yeah it looks like space food it's like a super lightweight little bar looking thing that you break up into pieces or whatever, you know, um, food. If you do like avocados, it's the exact shape of an avocado. If you do a strawberry, like it doesn't shrink and shrivel up. Like it's fairly similar to the same exact size, just super light and weight. Yeah. that was, So from a bikepacking perspective, the lightweight was really great. And some of the stuff you don't have to rehydrate bananas we had prunes prunes were really good oh no <laughs> strawberries it was a uh, plums plum yeah it was a plum grandma's eat plumes or prunes whatever, whatever. plumes <laughs> <laughs> you correct making, me with a plume is that what you got I'm making my own uh, fruit <laughs> you correct you correct me with a non-existent fruit it could be real it's probably made somewhere i just don't know where <laughs> With a Lorax somewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even remember what we're talking about now. Connor, where were we? Plums, yeah. Oh, the strawberries. The strawberries, yeah. And the avocados were interesting. The avocados tasted like pistachio nuts almost. Yeah. Well, creamy. When well, you creamy. Like, are eating them, they get yeah. kind of creamy. I like them. Not for everyone. So, in my opinion... Actually, I'd like to hear your your. So this was our first shot. You and I, we've talked about it for a while. It's you know, you're. It's very important to you to eat eat a, a, a good, clean diet, anti-inflammatory, and all this stuff. Especially when you're doing stuff like bikepacking. Was it a success? How are you happy with your results? And what do you want to do next time to or fix next time? Yeah, I was super happy with it. Um, you know, I I like food a lot, so um, I want like real food, whole food, like real ingredients. You know, yeah. It's cool, like have protein bars and stuff, like when you're out because it's convenient and stuff. But nothing's better than like really hearty, good food, you know, just to like give your body that fuel back that you've lost. Um, so I, I felt thought it turned out just fine, you know, um, because I had bronchitis, I didn't really get to ride, so I didn't get to like truly, truly test it out. But 
I still get hungry regardless of what <laughs> I'm doing. I was so, say, I mean, you like, still got to eat. I'm still just as hungry. So uh, I thought it turned out well. You know, I want to figure out the eggs thing, you know, think of different options. Um, I, I'm a big smoothie drinker. So I did uh, make some like smoothie bars. Um, I want to like kind of do more with that. But yeah, they took a long time. So I didn't really get to, um, you know, bring a lot of those. But um, that's something I want to like look into more. Just find different meals that turn out well. You know, really the only thing yeah. is trying it. I don't really yeah. know. It's totally new to me. I had never Well, even... it's like the dinner you made tonight. She made it. I don't even know what it was, but it was freaking amazing. And I'm like, put that in the dehydrator and let's take that bike packing because that's good. <laughs> yeah, what we realize is like meat, surprisingly, like it works really well. Like meat, or I'm like, we could do a steak, you know, like stuff like that. It kind of yeah. makes like the possibilities endless because the stew. Right, you didn't think about taking like, yeah. I could I could take a, or I could, we talked about doing yeah. my brisket. Yeah, brisket. I do my 24-hour brisket overnight yeah. and you can, what is it called, freeze dry it? Yeah, freeze you dry You freeze dry it and then you rehydrate it. And that's the other thing we didn't talk about is the amount of water. That's what I wanted yeah. you to talk about. So let's talk about real quickly, um, so you dehydrate, you take all the water out, then what? You get back to camp, what do you do? Yeah, so you have to, um, so you obviously you weigh the food before. and then Before, yeah, before yeah. you throw before it in the magical in machine, yeah. you weigh the food. Yeah, you weigh it. Um, that way you know like how much water that you're um, having to put back. So, you know, after you dehydrate it, you weigh it again. And then, you know, the difference is what you end up needing in water. Um, the cool thing also about freeze dry is you actually require less water than um, dehydrated food. Um, so that's also a plus if you're, you know, limited in how much water you can bring. Yep. Um, it's really not that crazy. I mean, if you can do subtraction, you, know, you can, <laughs> you got it. Man, we had a calculator. I'll tell yeah. you what, we were all over yeah. that. <laughs> And honestly, like there was a little bit of like, well, honestly, my measuring device was kind of yeah. failing on my part. So let's let's call that my error and, and not necessarily. Eyeballing eight ounces is kind of hard. Um, but, you know, some of the bottles have like measuring lines on there. I would recommend that because we a couple times like didn't have enough. We kept adding more. Yeah. You know. Well, and I mentioned earlier that um, Nalgene's have the measuring gauges on there. And uh, we had Nalgene's the whole time, but I never thought to use one. So, you know, just because you are got the right equipment doesn't mean you're smart enough to use it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, my, like, I think it was so cool. Um, the, the egg, the breakfast in the morning, um, needs a little bit of work, but I am not giving up on that breakfast. It's not bad. It's not good yet though, but we're going to, we're going to get it dialed <laughs> in mediocre. and I'm, I'm like excited <laughs> about trying more of the freeze dried foods. Like that was our first foray into it. Um, the stew that she made, I'm telling you, you would, I, I've ate every rehydrated, dehydrated uh, thing out there, you know, like I've ate the nasty pizzas <laughs> that you don't have to heat up, the macaroni. I've, I mean, I've had it all. Yeah. And uh, that stew was by far because it tastes like real food. That's the thing is like it was real food. You got all the nutrients and it it's satisfying. It's like not only does it like taste good and it's what your body needs, but it's also like kind of a pick-me-up. You're like out in a remote place and it's nice to have like some creature comforts and some really good food after you worked really hard. And and also, you know, get that fuel back in the body and the calories back in your body for the next day. Yeah, it makes a big difference, you know, being able to control like what you eat. Um, you know, it's makes a world of a difference to me, honestly. 
especially if you have any kind of ailments, you know, I have arthritis and things like that. So if I eat bread and sugar and, you know, all the things that I see a lot of people eat, I'll be hurting. I'll not be going very far. <laughs> You'll be dragging me on the ground. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Your time at the Bikes for Death podcast has come to an end. Thank We'd God. like to have you awkwardly exit <laughs> stage left, if you don't mind. And I will no. <laughs> seamlessly segue back to Connor like so. <laughs> Food, water. Okay, we are down to last two. Let's power hour. So we did food, good times. We all ate well, and now we not need to talk about water. So we're going to the desert, Big Bend, and I can tell you, you know, especially in Texas, Big Bend is a is a major destination for bikepacking, and I think it's growing at a, a somewhat rapid pace. The biggest issue for people out there and in any desert situation is going to be access to water. Um, luckily, you know, the Big Bend National Park and the Big Bend State Park are on the Rio Grande River. Um, and when we created this trip, we... Actually, kind of, I believe we kind of picked that area because of the access to yeah. water. You know, it's either carry all your water for three or four days, <laughs> or it's, you know, uh, dip your toe into the Rio and filter it a little bit and, yeah. and, and cross your fingers. So, um, I haven't had any gastrointestinal issues. Have you? <laughs> no, 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 we're good. Sarah, how are you feeling over there? Thumbs up from Sarah. <laughs> so, we all drank from the Rio. We're yeah. all feeling good. Um, but let's talk about uh, what our water strategy was for this particular trip. This was a three-day trip. We started on the morning of Friday, mm -hmm. and uh, we rode through Sunday, and we were going to do about 90 miles-ish, something like that. We had access to the Rio Grande. Now, depending on who you ask, it is not the most um, sanitary yeah. Uh, river to drink out of and the park rangers will maybe laugh at you and advise you not to drink mm -hmm. out of it but uh, we all well connor and i had a, a chat um <laughs> about about our own personal uh threshold of risk tolerance towards the rio grande we felt like filter it uh boil it or use a tablet in there a purification tablet and and we'd be okay so um that was kind of our plan going into it i personally carried four liters of water uh, oh i have a, a clean canteen that i mount to my down tube that carries two ounce or two liters of water um, which is great it's a great place to carry a lot of water in my main uh, triangle i carry one liter and then i carried another liter on my handlebar um, in the, like a feed bag so i carried a total of four liters of water fresh water going in our first day was i think about 35 miles yeah. so you know four four or four liters to get you to the 35 miles and then we would have access to the rio grande there at the end of that first night but the temperatures honestly weren't too hot so i didn't even think i would need four liters on the first day i thought that was pretty generous for the first day for me yeah yeah so let's see that was our water strategy on this one and it worked pretty well yeah. what did what did you carry uh, i had about three and a half three and a half yeah and i filled it up too at the beginning i don't think i drank through all of it the first day but 
Yeah. It's one of those things. It's the desert. When you can fill up water, you know, you fill up water. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those like golden rules we yeah. mentioned in the desert. It's like golden rule. If you have access to water, fill up every chance you get, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, we, we stuck to that pretty well. Yeah. On that first night we got there, we went down the Rio and we filtered. And then we got our second campsite. Uh, was further down on the Rio. So first we stayed at Tally 2, and then the second night we stayed at mm-hmm. Solus 2, uh, which is, again, right on the Rio, and there's a beautiful, there's both of them as easy access to, to water yeah. um, for anyone looking to go out there and do that. The easy access to water, you know, drink at your own risk. I wouldn't probably drink a ton of it. It probably, I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. sustain my life over drinking that water maybe, but, uh, you know, everything in moderation, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the treating was key too. Yeah. You know, well, we, we were smart yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. This is all like do it. Yeah. I said, filter it and, or boil and, uh, treat, yeah, you know, like, yeah. yeah, don't just go drinking all willy nilly. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> well, did you have anything else about water? No, I don't think so. I mean, and out Boy, there too. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about your. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about your filter real quick because I thought yeah. your your filter was kind of cool. There's a lot of different filters. I brought with me the uh, Sawyer uh, Mini, which is a very common one. Mm-hmm. It's a nice lightweight one that I've used many times, and it works. Connor has one though that's a little bit more robust and faster. So we didn't even use mine. We just yeah. went straight to yours. Yeah, I use the Catadyne Gravity Filter. Um, it's a little bigger, so a little better for you know, a group. But yeah, I filtered that. Um, and really, the water, it's probably okay just filtering through that. Um, but just to be safe, you know, we did see, you know, um, horses and mules crossing the river. And, and so, you know, with that activity, we went ahead and treated too with, with chemical. Um, yeah. Some MicroPure in it too, just to be safe. I mean... It's it's not worth it, you know. No, no, yeah. yeah and it's we're off the trip a couple of days after drinking the water. A few days, no one's had any issues. Yeah, I would say sure. the water. If you've never filtered and uh, treated water in that way, I would say it tastes okay. Yeah, you know, it it's not going to taste <laughs> bad, and it's probably not going to taste great. Mm. But it's it's fine to drink. You're not going to like. I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm actually kind of a, a water snob a little <laughs> bit. You know, I like I like good water i don't know like no. i don't want nasty water <laughs> and, and and it was fine so mm-hmm. but i i can tell you what whenever we got uh back to <laughs> rio grande village the the station there i i was eager to get my hands on some ozarka or something i don't know <laughs> i don't remember what they had all right so last question route building that was the number one mm. uh topic everybody wanted to know about route building how all the things. So I wrote, since we got so many like questions about it, I went ahead and wrote down a bunch of notes on it. So let me go through what I got and you can like yeah. fill in and tell me where I messed up. <laughs> First of all, like I love route building. <laughs> like for me at night, pouring over maps <laughs> and looking at all the different possibilities is half, maybe not half the fun, but it's part of the fun of bikepacking yeah. for me is like thinking about like all the places I could go and the ways I could get there and could I do it and all this stuff. Right. So like maybe do that, like just get on your, I, I use ride with GPS. What do you use? What's your favorite uh, route planning app? 
Yeah, it depends where I'm at. You know, some apps are better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've used Rise GPS. It's pretty good. I've used just straight Google Maps. Yeah. Um, especially if you have you know some road mixed in. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good for that. Um, Strava too. Every once in a while, but everyone's got pretty good stuff nowadays. So. Yeah, I think so. that's a good point. I, I use Strava sometimes. There's Gaia. Gaia has some different yeah. stuff. I use them, but um, my my first go to is always Ride with GPS. That's where I start, and then it can go from there. One advantage to like Ride with GPS and Strava over Google Maps is the heat maps. Mm. Um, which, if anyone doesn't know, I'd I'd be surprised. But heat maps basically show every time anyone on Strava or ride with GPS records a ride, it like, God, how do you describe that? It like shows up on the map. So like whenever you're looking at a map, you'll see all the lines where people ride, you know, they'll like show up, they'll glow on the map. You'll be able to see where the most popular, popular routes are. So like, you know, for this route for example like we both wanted to go to big bend <laughs> it was my birthday we were going wherever i wanted but of course you know <laughs> i let you pretend like you had a say actually you were actually the truth is you were actually wanting to go to big bend you had another big bend trip kind of plan yeah it fell through i yeah. had another podcasting trip plan both of our trips fell through and so then we just kind of did the big bend thing but you and i both been out to big bend uh, many a times we've seen a lot of it but it's over one million acres there's a lot to see and we (laughs) both kind of wanted to see something new and like we said we kind of looked at um, this portion of the river road in the big bend national park as a starting point for its access to water and also Connor and I had never seen it before. So just an opportunity to see something new. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like the motivation between like this route and what I was thinking about when we went in to build it. So, you know, the other thing that I was thinking is that for a while now I've been wanting to create a route in Big Bend that's a little bit more accessible. There's a couple out there right now that are both great routes. Um, but they're both very challenging and big bend is, it takes a long way to get there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might not have five days to do, you know, a 200 mile route or whatever, you know, so just something a little bit more accessible. You still get the uh, desert experience. You still get to see the Chizos mountains and everything. Um, but a little bit more doable. So that was like another motivation for me. Plus, I don't know if you know, but in 2020, there was a coronavirus and I've got an extra 10 pounds <laughs> that I'm trying to work Charlie. off. And I've got Mr. Charlie. I'm trying to evict out of my stomach right now. And, you know, so just looking for, a, you know, something more manageable, yeah. you know, in a very rugged environment. Yeah. Because, you can, I mean, you can hammer at home and, you know, kill yourself riding some miles. But if you're going to drive out to Big Bend, it's nice to smell the roses a little bit, you know. I agree. Sit by the river and. Listen to the birds, yeah. Hey, man, you know what? That's something that you and I uh, share in common and and is important. And everybody can approach their, you know, way to the outdoors in different ways. Some people want to go out there and maybe see how fast they can do it. But you and I are much more of a, (laughs) hey, let's, you know, have a relaxed time. We want to see the sights. We want to soak it in and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Which actually leads into my next point, which is I like to plan my trips around pretty scenery, cool places, good food, (laughs) and the like. 
So, you know, I usually start with that. It's like, okay, we've identified where we're going to go, the kind of idea, you know, we want to be close to water because there's not very much. And so now it becomes a, what campsites are available? What, um, you know, we went to go see the Mariscal Mine. We went to go, I found a hike, uh, the Mariscal Canyon Rim Rim hike. Um and so we threw that in there, you know, like that's part of the fun of like getting on with the heat map is you can just, you basically just look and you say, oh, what's that? You know, where'd those people go? <laughs> you know, and you can find all this cool stuff and it's a good starting point. I don't think that should be it. I think, you know, if you want to, you can like get on the park's website. Actually, we have it in front of us right now. Uh I bought this cool book when I was at the um, ranger station, Road Guide to the Backcountry Roads of Big Bend National Park. And it, I mean, it gives you longitude, latitude. It gives you maps, all kinds of cool stuff. And so if you're the type that wants to learn about the environment that you're riding through, um, you can dig deeper and you can really like nerd out and put any kind of, you know, stops along the way. Which, which I guess is another kind of tip with ride, ride with GPS is, you know, whenever you're creating a route, you can drop a point of interest. Mm. So if there's something you want to see, if you're riding along, it'll pop up in your GPS and be like, hey, don't forget you want to go <laughs> look at that cemetery or that mine or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I think like really, I don't know if there's a one way to create a route. For me, it's always been a... Rubik's cube of what kind of shape am I in? What kind of adventure am I looking for? Uh, what are there things to see and do along the route? Elevation, access to mm. water, what campsites? You know, what campsite do I want to stay at? I like I like to pick a nice campsite. You know, yeah. I want to you want to get to a nice spot. Um, what do I want to do or see along the way? You know, so like for me, a lot of times a route building is a whiskey in hand and at night just sitting there on the computer and just diving in and having fun. Like I said, I, I really like all this stuff. For this trip in particular, water was a huge factor. So, well, I already mentioned, I think yeah. we've mentioned that like three times. <laughs> Water, water everywhere. <laughs> water, water, water. I mean, it was a big question. I mean, if you're going out to Big Bend, it is a huge issue. It shouldn't be downplayed. Um, yeah. So it's okay that we're talking about a lot. So, I mean, really, like, I basically took all those things. Like, for me, I, I was like, I, I guess I had a lot of goals for this trip. I was going to have a good time for my birthday weekend in a beautiful place. I wanted to see a new part of it, experience a new part of it. I also wanted to create a route, hopefully, that we could share with people and they could go out there and 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 maybe use it as inspiration or use the exact same route, whatever it may be. And to do that, I just took all of the e information that was available and it's a puzzle. You just play with it. <laughs> and you play with it until you get something that looks kind of cool. I sent one version to you and then I sent another one to you and we talked about them, you know, yeah. and this one we picked because, you know, the first day was pretty challenging. Well, I'll tell you what we, I'll tell you what we landed on. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, that works. We landed on, um, the first day was about, I think 35 miles and we would camp at Tally two, which is pretty close to the banks of the Rio Grande. And we would wake up the next day on day two and uh, we were pretty close to the trailhead of the Mariscal Canyon Rim Trail, which is a 3.3-mile hike 
um, up to this canyon that we did. It was the first time I've actually ever combined bikepacking and hiking. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. that was a really neat thing to do. That was the first time I've done it. We also uh, visited the Mariscal uh, mines mm -hmm. there, which is only like a mile hike. But I mean, these are mines that were there since the 1900s where they were mining. It was mercury. Yeah, out of Quicksilver. Yeah. Quicksilver. Yeah. Yeah, they were mining Quicksilver for mercury. Yeah. Yeah. But it's crazy. And I'll tell you what, man, what an experience, you know, to like go and visit this like relic of the past of these people who came and developed and mined <laughs> and worked and lived in this region that we're recreating through <laughs> barely. You know, we go there for four days and we're like, damn, this is like... Yeah. hard and people worked out there you know yeah. and you got we got to like experience that you know like so those were kinds of the things that i was like looking for to like incorporate those into into the route so the second day we did this hike it was probably harder than we realized hotter <laughs> hotter <laughs> hotter was the key to a lot of it you're in the desert um and then the next day we go to solace to yeah. Solis? Yeah. Or is it Solis? Solis. Solis? Yeah. We camped at Solis too <laughs> on the Rio Grande. And then we had a nice journey back to Rio Grande Village. Yeah. Right to the start. Right to the start. I'll tell you what, man. One of the best things about that trip was that last downhill through this <laughs> tunnel. Uh, there's a paved uh, downhill through a tunnel through a mountain. And uh, it's a great way to finish off that that ride. Yeah. But it turned out, you know, it was a, I think the way we originally drew it out, it's probably a little challenge, more challenging than I even realized, honestly. And that would be a tip that I would tell people is like, again, I felt like I was very much within my means whenever I, I created that route. And I feel like it was more, I don't feel, mm. like, I know for a fact <laughs> <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> it was more than I than I could handle than I was ready for, you know. Mm. Like I could throw out some excuses, but it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is um <laughs> it was a good thing that it was a route finding mission and we had a car there and I didn't get myself in a situation where I had to hit a button. I don't know. I think I would have made it out. I just would have had to like alter the route, you know, like yeah. make it shorter and stuff. But um Again, route building is is fun for me. So this whole trip was, you know, a birthday weekend, but I tied it into uh, a little bit of work too to create a cool route. I love building routes and being able to out, go out there, experience Big Bend and look at it through the prism of like other people coming after us and like like making sure that they have a good time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, quite enjoyable. I would agree. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I talked a lot, but what did, <laughs> what yeah. do you think? Did you have any thoughts or any correction? No, I think you know, one thing that did trip us up was the ride GPS, the road that didn't oh, exist. I meant to mention that. Thank you. Yeah, because originally we had planned to go up Glen Spring Road and go down Black Gap. And what was that? Was that about a 30-mile day? Originally? All in, yeah. Or it might have been shorter was what the ride GPS told us. No, it was 35. 35. It uh, was always 35. Okay. And then remember it was like gonna be a forty-five. Right. Yeah, then we get there in the road, you know, where the road's supposed to be according to ride GPS. There's no road. Yeah. And so we don't know what they're actually talking about. Yeah. But, so so this yeah. is a perfect example of I, I meant to mention this. I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because I went in, I used heat maps, I used like 
the sometimes on ride with gps and i'm using them as an example because that's who i use but i'm sure it's the same for all of them there's like ghost roads it's like (laughs) roads that used to be there and it's i run into it everywhere whether it's you know texas and you find yourself trespassing on private (laughs) land because this road isn't really a county road (laughs) or whatever so i think that's a good uh, thing to point out is Mm -hmm. like if you're going um bikepacking and this might dovetail back into the solo stuff like you can't a hundred percent rely on those maps you know what i'm saying so that i think that's your point that's a good one yeah for sure and and also you know another thing to that kind of ties into that is give yourself kind of an out on your route if you can you know Mm -hmm. you know if you're if it's just a bad day you know give yourself you can cut a little bit off or something like that you know it's always better you know to you know be able to tone it down a little bit than be stuck um, doing big distance when you're not able to. I like yeah. that a lot, honestly. And it's another thing I think about a lot whenever I'm building a route is, is there a shortcut? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to, this is my goal, but if something goes wrong, yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a listener who broke his, he, a, a dog ran out and wrecked him on Jeez. a downhill and he broke three ribs and all this stuff. And guess what? He wasn't able to ride as far as he thought he was going to, you know? Yeah. He still rode, by the way. Pretty pretty awesome, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Up in Arkansas with the with the hills and everything. Oh man. But I, I think that's like phenomenal advice. Have if you can, Big Bend is vast and remote and there's not a ton of options, but a lot of times, like in Texas, if you're looking, there's there's usually like a shortcut or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when you you know you kind of get to that point of no return, like you know, really think about it too. Right. You know, before right. you you know when you're at the fork, you know when you're at the fork in the road, think about the whole rest of the route before you make that decision. So we had an yeah. interesting. I I mean, um, yeah, I mean we had we had a fork in the road situation at the very beginning of our route our ride because we all three went into we're going to ride this route, you know, we're going to ground truth it on our bikes and, you know, do it the whole way. And we started the ride and, you know, a few miles into it, Sarah's like bronchitis started being bronchitis. (laughs) And, um, we had to, you know, it was, it was like a difficult moment. Like, you know, you, you get all the gear, you pack all the stuff up, you drive 10 hours there, you're hyped up, you're excited and you know something without your control like i talked to her you know and i mean i think it's a good lesson and i i think it went the way it needed to go you know and so so i think it's worth sharing it wasn't something i was excited to do but you know sarah's she's stubborn and strong-willed and she you know like anybody she would want to go and ride her bike and do the thing right but as an outsider i was like okay, I've been here before. We're going into pretty difficult situation with not any help, any resources. There's not going to be anyone around. There's no cell phone service. We can't call anybody. Um, you know, my recommendation was for her. And my thing is like, you're an adult. I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. <laughs> you're an adult. You, you know, you know how you're feeling, you know what your body's going through, but I'm just going to say, you know, that I think that this trip, you know, maybe you should, (laughs) I'm like tiptoeing around. (laughs) I I mean, I think, I think I, you know, I just said that I think that this trip, you know, let's take it easy. Your body needs to rest, get in your truck, 
meet us out at the camp. Connor and I will go ride. We'll still hang out. It'll be great. And actually, it worked out great. Yeah. She, you know, she still would have loved to ride, of course, but she came and took pictures. We got a bunch of cool pictures. Yeah. We all got to hang out. Um, we still did the heist together and did lots of stuff together. So, but I think it's important, again, to just be honest with yourself about what you're going through and, yeah, I understand it's like hard because like you want to go and do it so bad, but you know, yeah. life is what it is. You got to be smart. When you come to those forks on the road, really take a like a an honest assessment. I think that's a I think that's a For good sure. advice. Like yeah. do we have any other moments like that where we had to make any I don't think so really. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty much experts. <laughs> Wish. <laughs> yeah, what else on routes? What did I miss? What did you think about the route that we uh, we put together? I thought it was good. I, one thing I really like about it is that each day it kind of gives you something to look forward to. Yeah. It's like first day, you can you know, get the Marsicle Mine. The second day, you've got the hike. Yeah. And the third day, you're going back. So I guess you can kind of look forward to going back. Yeah. yeah. That's a mixed bag there. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think yeah, it's, mentally it helps to have something like that yeah. you know, to ride towards. And I don't know, one thing that I really like to do is like, yeah, incorporate the history of it and you know learning about the place yeah. like you know I, I should have bought that book before we went so i could read it along the way but you're know, learning about the place you're in you know patrick kind of mentioned the people before us so you can learn about those people and then people that after you you know it's kind of a full circle sort of deal it's pretty neat yeah i love um learning about the places that you're in learning about the people that came before sarah bought a book about what is it it's actually still on the counter it's uh buzzards on the trail Burroughs at the door, which is a great story of the first photographer and his wife and family that um, were at the uh, Big Bend at the very beginning, taking pictures of, of all of all of it. So, I mean, that, that's one fun thing about having Connor around. Whenever <laughs> said he, he was a true outdoorsman, you know, like you really understand and like have a knowledge of most of the flora and the fauna that you're <laughs> encountering. I mean, as we went along, you knew most of the mountain ranges. You knew, you know, I mean, you're very knowledgeable. Yeah, try to, at least. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, yeah. it's it's nice. I think it's yeah. good to have a, a, a respect um, of the place that you're in. There's something about bikepacking where you're like living in it, you know, and, and you're really disconnected. We didn't have access to our cell phone service the whole time. Right. So you're really living in that environment in a raw and a rural way that people, yeah, we had our gas stoves and stuff, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, the sun goes down and there's no light city lights that come on, you know, yeah. distract you. Um, you just, you experience the world in the way that ancient people experience the world. The sun comes up and you watch it. Is it like, you watch as it does everything as it hits this mountain and that mountain. You think about what they thought about as they saw this and how they reacted to that. And yeah. kind of get to like experience like, oh, that sun hits you and it warms you up from a very cold night, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then a couple hours is hitting you and you're getting a sunburn. So. Yeah. 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 And the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you're just like out there in it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So in closing, <laughs> do you have a favorite? Uh, what was your favorite part about this trip? If you had one, anything mm. stand out to you? Oh, man. I have to think on that one. I'm trying to think. I don't have an answer yet either. I think it was it was great company. I'll say that. We're both pretty knowledgeable to where we can... Um, 
we, we have enough experience where we can kind of go and like roll with the flow a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of our like, I don't know, it, it was just like a good like laid back relaxing trip you know what i'm saying like that's what i wanted for my birthday (laughs) i just wanted to like you really need those moments in life where you can disconnect and i was actually you know might as well maybe we could talk about this did you get i wanted to call the the uh route black gap revival Mm -hmm. as in you know revives you like yeah, yeah. yeah what about uh the other name is Rio Grande Revival. Yeah. Or the Rio Revival. The I like Rio that. Revival. The Rio R- Revival. R&R, R- yeah. That's pretty good, isn't yeah. it? At first, I was really on the Black Gap Revival. But as I thought, like, I wouldn't have thought about this if you didn't mention it. <laughs> I Even though Black Gap is on the route and I was right, which is perfect. I like being <laughs> right. As you and I have both talked about many times, we have a lot of respect for water. Water, water is a powerful force both in shaping the world and also sustaining life. So I think the route should be called the Rio Grande Revival or the Rio Revival, something like that. Yeah. I think we got to give homage to the Rio. Especially with the Mariscal hike. Yeah. That's a pretty huge example of what water can do. Right. Yeah. And so one other thing, Connor, what (laughs) I'd like to do is I'd like to do like a a route guide, like a podcast, like an audio. If you were going to go and, you know, we're going to publish this route and people are going to go ride it. And on the way, their 10 hour drive, maybe they want to listen to a podcast about like what they could expect. So would you come back and we can talk about the route? We got a name for it now, (laughs) what it's going to be and what people can maybe expect. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. And we could, you know, throw in some of the stuff, you know, we learned after the fact too. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Good. good deal. All right, everybody. Well, Connor, man, I appreciate you coming to my dining room. <laughs> yeah. It's a pleasure <laughs> to talk about bikes and bikepacking and stuff. It really was a great trip. I appreciate you coming uh, to my Big Ben birthday bash bonanza, yeah. all the bees. It was a lot of fun. And I, I'm really excited to, uh, to share the route with people, honestly. Like, I think people are going to really like it. What yeah. do you think? I think so too. I'm ready to go back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like, what do you think? Like, you've been out to Big Bend a lot. Uh-huh. You and I have both, like, you know, what What do you think about this route? It's good at, you know, exactly what its name is, a revival. You know, it's not a crazy distance. Right. But you get to see lots of amazing things and take your time. You can kind of get, you know, a little more surface level with Big Bend. And for me, this is the first time to spend a lot of time in the backcountry campsites. I think this is like a really accessible way to do that. And I think that was one of my favorite parts is just sitting there in the silence. Oh, God, You got the yeah. stars around you. You might get a coyote every once in a while, an owl. Yeah, we, well, but, you heard an owl. Yeah. yeah, but just like being able to get out there and, and just be in the silence. I think it's pretty neat. I always forget about the silence, man. And yeah. it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's an emo- it's really emotional thing. You saw at Tally too, I you know, walked away to enjoy the sunset. Yeah. And I mean, it's just I, I don't know. There there's not words for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean everybody's gonna experience it in their own way, but um the only thing that I know is that it's the value in that experience is worth the struggle and all the things that you have to do to get there. And I can promise you that if you like work to get there, you're going to appreciate it like a lot more, 
you know, you appreciate the things that you work for. So it's a good route. I'm excited to share it. People are going to work for it, you know, <laughs> but they're also going to see, yeah, it's a revival route. And yeah, we're kind of calling it a little bit laid back, but the truth is, is like, it's actually really hard, even though it's yeah, kind of easy. Sure. It's like yeah. an easy, hard route. I don't know. <laughs> Sneaky hard. We'll get yeah. into more detail about the ride <laughs> later then, but uh, we'll uh, tee that up for later. But for now, that was a long ass episode, two hours. I haven't done a two hour episode in a while. Yeah. Man, you're talky. Yeah. Well, it helps when there's questions too. Well, I always yeah. have questions. Oh, do you? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, you, okay. I will say, since I'm on record, I don't always have questions. Um, I've experimented with <laughs> questions without questions. I have landed on a rough outline and some general questions. Yeah. 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 yeah I think it works better. Yeah. All right. That's it. Bye. Good night. All right, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Like I said at the beginning, drop me a line and let me know uh, how you found it. Was it good? Was it good information? Was it entertaining? Was it terrible? Um, if it's terrible, what you're going to want to do is just let me know directly. Don't leave a review or anything. But if it's good, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Seriously, if you can't donate, if you can't buy a shirt or anything like that, if you could go over to iTunes and leave a review, gosh darn, that would just be swell. Thank you so much. I want to uh, make sure I give a shout out to my friend Connor. Connor and I have been uh, friends for a little while now. He's just been a great adventuring buddy and I uh, appreciate him uh, always being willing to go on an adventure um, when he can. So uh, we had a lot of fun on this trip and I really appreciate him coming on and, and talking on the podcast and he's going to do it again. So it's good because I don't want to monologue this whole thing. I think it would be super boring. So it's really nice to have someone else here local that I can chat to and we can kind of kick ideas back and forth and that gets the wheel spinning. All right, well, listen, um, I don't have too much else for you. I've already told you what's coming up in the next episode. I just want to let you know that if you've been paying attention to the news or if you're just alive in the United States right now, you're probably aware of the fact that Texas is experiencing snowvid 19 and uh, just want to let you all know that uh, me and my house, we're doing pretty well overall. We've had in and out power, um, which is what has delayed this episode from coming out. I think my daughter had COVID, tried to get her tested many times and uh, wasn't able to uh, get an appointment because uh, they kept getting closed due to the weather. So life's kind of funny right now, just kind of quarantined. Um, but now I do have power and I'm um, able to record a podcast. So I just wanted to um, give a shout out to everybody out there who's being affected by the weather, hanging there, hunker down. Um, I tried to make it a little bit of an adventure. You know, I, I like it a little bit when things get different and interesting. And I had to go into, I'm wearing uh, the clothes that I took on the bikepacking trip to Big Bend, actually. If you look behind me, well, I'm doing a little video. So if you're on the podcast, you can't Look, but I got my bike behind me. Um, I was unpacking it and doing a video. And uh, anyway, I'm wearing my wool clothes that I wore out to Big Ben. Still haven't washed them. Uh, got camp stove out. Got my propane heater. Uh, you got bike packing food. You know all this, all this stuff. So it's been kind of interesting to take this and and utilize some of the skill sets that I've developed in bike packing and just being in the outdoors. I hope that you are. To taking advantage of it and able to use some of your skill sets that you've developed. 
and I hope you're doing well. I know some people have it much worse than I do. Um, so just sending shout outs, love to everybody. It looks like warm weather is coming soon. So hopefully we can put this behind us. But one thing that I noticed and I really did uh, like is that for the last three to four days, power's been in and out. We've really had to hunker down and um, just, you know, I was taking care of my daughter who was sick and it's just us. And it was nice to just be very focused on taking care of your loved ones. And um, I, w I don't know about you, but I'm sure you just spent the day, you know, messaging your friends and family and saying, hey, how are you? Do you got power? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do? And, and having that in return, it was nice. You know, you don't get to see that very often. And so I know people are having a hard time, but it was nice to um, see how for 72 hours, all of our attention was turned to the people that we care about, the less fortunate and our friends and family. So I really do hope that y'all are doing well and making the most of this kind of crazy situation. I know it's a joke. If you're listening from somewhere up north or somewhere that's used to the cold, um, you can see how not being prepared can really catch you by surprise and, and cause a lot of problems. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Um, I think things are going to hopefully get back to norm normal here at Bikes for Death headquarters. So I've got great podcasts coming out as soon as I have power. Until then, stay safe, stay warm, and go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. Just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes 